WBSM presents Brian's Beat with Brian Thomas. Streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Call 508-996-0500. Send us app chat messages and open line voicemails using the WBSM app. Now, Brian Thomas. Seatbelts, everyone! Please let this be a normal field trip with a friend. No way! Cruising on down Main Street, you're relaxed and feeling good. Next thing that you know, you'll see. to a Brian's Beat. Glad to have you with me today. Brian's Beat, <laughs> the only show born at the apex of freedom, entrepreneurship, and nomadism. Hour one, we uh, got into quite a few things, in particular, uh, this whole idea of the Healy administration. And once again, it's one of those novel ideas because to the best of my knowledge, no other state has proposed this. In fact, in fact, according to Axios, the state aims, the state of Massachusetts, aims to offer up to six months of housing assistance through Medicaid. Estimating that $2 billion in federal reimbursements will come back to the Commonwealth. Could. It doesn't mean that they will come back to the Commonwealth. It doesn't mean that they shall come back to the Commonwealth. Two billion dollars. We're a state already seeing fewer and fewer tax revenues come in. I don't want to say we're at the brink of broke. But we're pretty darn close to it. Anyway, that's out there for you. The Brian's B quote of the day coming from the friendly folks over at monthlyfeerx.com. If you're spending less than $20 a month for prescription drugs, great. If not, monthlyfeerx.com might be a good option for you. And the Brian's B quote of the day from Dr. Seuss. Only you can control your future. Only you can control your future. Uh, Speaking of the future, in a few future minutes, we're going to be joined by Chris Cotter of the New Bedford School Committee. I reached out to him earlier. You, you, You may recall last week we brought up on the program, we being yours truly, that Diamond, Diamond Volk over in Fall River is going to be opening up 
a school-based health center or health clinic. And it will serve all of the students that go to Volk. And apparently, there's no charge. Now, you got to be saying to yourself, what do you mean there's no charge? You mean doctors, nurses, psychiatrists? None of them are gonna. None of them are gonna charge. The story goes on to say, Mayor John Mitchell said back in 2022 that the New Bedford High School will have a health center, and it would be used or built rather using two sets of federal funds. That's the quote: two sets of federal funds, something that. We're not going to cost us anything to establish. And then that might be true. Might not cost a red cent to establish it. It's coming from the federal money. But what happens when that federal money dries up? And we're seeing it. You know, a lot of the COVID relief money has started to dry up. I'm dealing with a, a couple of school of more than a couple of schools right now that are now facing state receivership because of the fact that they used the COVID money to keep people employed and now all of a sudden there's no more money and they've been told if you can't come up with a with an escape plan by March 15th boom boom So that's what's going to happen. Okay, so that's out there for you if you'd like to comment on it. Uh, Why am I bringing it up again? Well, cost, of course, is important. The other part of this is what's going to be going on inside of those health centers? Oh, yes, somebody might need a Tylenol. But what if somebody is confused about her or his, his or her, her or his gender. Does this health center help in this particular case? Well, a a political leader might tell you no. But state law says Y-E-S. Who do you think is going to win until the law is changed? If you go to New Bedford Light, they have a story that came out earlier this week by Colin Hogan. New Bedford top state in homeschoolers. Yeah. More homeschoolers in New Bedford than Worcester, Fall River, Boston. How about that? New Bedford. How many? 298 students. Now, is that a king's ransom? Absolutely not. But you know what it does do? Eventually, it starts to eat away at the money that normally would come in on those cherry sheets from the state. Why? Because you don't have that student population anymore. And you couple the 298 students at last year's count, last year's 
school year that were homeschooled. Then you add in those New Bedford students that decided to go to like Bishop Stang or a private school. Or they went to Tekka, the online school or another virtual school. All of a sudden, you have a lot more than 298 students that are no longer walking the hallways of New Bedford schools. I have no problem with that. I think that's great. But the new superintendent of schools, he's not crazy about it. I can only imagine what Mayor Mitchell must be thinking. And we will find out what Chris Cotter has to say about it when we talk to him in just a bit. 508-996-0500 is how you get onto the program today. Let's, let's hear from you. Hello. Good morning, Brian. Good morning, Brian. Can I ask a, a frivolous, non-off-topic question of you? Frivolous? It might be frivolous, yes. Frivolous to me? Yep. Yep. Me? Frivolous? Maybe you can answer it, and maybe you can't. Huh. Maybe you don't know. What is your question? Here's my question. For many, many years, you had a gentleman that would introduce, you know, your programs and stuff. I believe the gentleman was blind and still did this. And now there's been a change. Uh, is, did something happen to that gentleman? I um, don't. That's above my pay grade. Okay. All right. I, that's, that's all I want because I enjoyed the guy and uh, seemed like, a, you know, an average guy that was trying to get by and all that sort of Maybe stuff. Maybe he is. I don't know. Yeah, I know, but I was just wondering what, for the reason of getting rid of him. I, it gave your station a certain, you know, uniqueness having this gentleman do the announcing. I think, and now what you got as opposed to this guy. Well, what you got is kind of like uh, I don't know. To me, off the shelf. You know, let's put this in here. You know, like the other guy was more of, more of a, a unique type of person. I thought, but uh, okay. I, I don't know either from question. Adam. So, but I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Just Have a great care. one. Good to hear you. All right. Thank you. I appreciate the call. 508-996-0500. Hello. What's up, big dog? <laughs> ah, see, I thought I'd throw you for a loop. Did you? Oh, you did. Nope. Absolutely not. You're on the ball. You're on the ball. No, no. I'm on, uh, a, I'm on a chair. Thank you. Well, it depends on the circus. Thank you. Could be on a ball. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. You know, we talked about this actually last week. We touched base on this. And now you're bringing it up again, and uh, you're hating uh, on me now. No, 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 absolutely not. It's just it's it's so important that it needs it definitely needs to be repeated consistently, and and you know on multiple programs. Um, yeah, when when we have a top down government and the the municipalities are are asking the state for money, and then the state says, "Sorry, we're going to be left holding the bag." And we can't raise taxes to fund it, right? So now we have an unfunded liability or we're going to start to eliminate programs. And we know, we talked about this last week, once you instill a program in the community, in society for a certain amount of time, it becomes extremely hard to get rid of. It's like, you know, a parasite that just continuously sucks on off the life of the other. And eventually... That's what happens is you're going to have the state's going to dry up with the funding to the municipality and the municipalities are going to have to make a choice. And we know the politicians, they don't like to cut programs. Uh, they like to cut taxes because that's always a, a, a bonus for the people. Everybody likes to have their taxes cut, but nobody likes to have their program cut. 
And when you have that type of situation, you end up with uh, higher debt, which was <laughs> what we see at the federal government level. Uh, and or, or we have very upset people at the local level. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's just something that's it's a perpetual problem that we can't seem to get rid of until you get people in office that are willing to make really hard decisions to cut things out. And I'm talking the big stuff, the big name stuff from Medicaid. People don't want to touch that. And here at the state level, you're never going to have a, a politician in Boston willing to, to get rid of that state program. And you're never going to have anybody at the federal level willing to do that at the federal level and, and uh, cut it across the country. Well, I think uh, we can we can thank Mitt Romney for the Medicaid expansion with Romney Care back in 2007, six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even even that that has its roots in in the Heritage Foundation, which is a a libertarian or at least a conservative think tank. You know, it's it's just a lot of different issues that we have going on, and and you know, I I kind of call it the true Santa Claus theory. So you have the Republicans who like to cut taxes, and you have the Democrats who like to create programs, and neither of them like to, uh, you know ensure that they're solvent. You know, you, you have tax cuts, but the, the, the Republicans will cut your taxes, but they won't cut the subsequent programs to eliminate the, the spending to go along with it. Because right? so cutting the program of, cuts the vote. Right, exactly. So you cut, the, you cut your taxes, but then they'll fund the program by borrowing money. And that's how the Republicans have been doing it. And the Democrats, the Democrats will, will just create programs and They'll try and raise taxes, but they'll never raise it enough to actually fund the entire program. Uh, They they raise it. The the game is to raise it just enough that you have to come back and ask for more. Exactly. So, hey, on on another note before I have to let you go, um, this is something I've actually been bringing on multiple programs. Chris, Chris's program, Barry's program uh, with with the looming uh, primary coming up on Tuesday. And you have Donald Trump going to be at the top of the ticket, uh, most likely going to win. And, and probably uh, the bottom of the ticket, too. <laughs> right. So He's going to be other, the ticket. <laughs> so you have, this is the issue, and, and I heard some other hosts actually bring this up, where there are people out there, high-level ranking Republicans, who are afraid that him being at the top of the ticket is going to hurt down-ballot races like they did with Jeff Deal, and you had it with, with different other uh, races across this country, and he's a perpetual loser, right? Jeff he Deal? lost in twenty eight. No, no, no. Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a perpetual loser. He lost in twenty eighteen. He lost in twenty twenty, and he lost again in twenty twenty two with his endorsements. He had a lot of endorsements that in close races, if he didn't endorse, and it was a normal Republican, not a a Trump Republican endorsed Republican, the Senate would have went with the Republicans, right? The Senate would have went with the Republicans if Georgia didn't run a Trump Republican, if Pennsylvania didn't run a Trump Republican. See, the problem is, is he's a poison. His policies may be popular, but he himself on the top of the ticket will hurt down ballot because he's a bad individual. Uh, well, I, I'll tell you what, I, I, since I don't follow the Republicans that much, yeah. I, I know that they're there and 
eventually, I, if I can't find a libertarian to vote for, I will vote in that direction. But Ken's here, so I'm going to let him respond to that, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd love to hear you. Yeah. Well, I, I, think, I think Donald Trump has built a few of the foundation blocks that cause his negativity. But, you know, and what he's saying is what Americans uh, who don't like him, and there's many of them, uh, he's up against the most hostile press percentage-wise. That's not even close to um, you know to any other president the way that the press has right. treated him. So that so so his, yeah, his policies are popular because people want to see them in place. And once they're right. out of place, like we see at the border, um, you know, it, it's it's chaotic. It's worse. So it, you know, so it's too bad. We- how do we get his policies onto another individual? You got to get another individual you, that wants right. to do that. No, you can't in this cycle. It's either it's either more of Biden or more of Trump. Um, so people are going to be stuck with with that choice, you know. And yeah, it, I, and, and I have a feeling like yeah, he he will most likely win uh, the general. I would say. Who, I would you, say slightly. Who, who is he? I'm, I'm saying Trump. Trump will, will most likely win in the general. What's going to happen is you're going to lose the House. You could potentially lose the House if, if he is, starts endorsing House Republicans or House candidates that are aligned with him. And just like, I mean, we've seen it in the past, 2018, 2020, and 2022. And then you're going to see governors also. You're going to see governors fall. And, and that will hurt down ballot chances. So he gets the White House, but he hurts everybody else down below. See, I think, I think he's actually going to... There's going to be a red wave of a sort, uh, you know, in 24. But I, I think, Chris, you're right. And in the midterms, I think you'll probably see some uh, Trump fatigue I mean, we were, again. We were, promised a, we were promised a red wave in 2022 and 2018. And it, yeah. it never formulated, you're right? right? Because yeah, you're absolutely right. Lot, but nobody lost more seats uh, as a president. Nobody lost more seats than Barack Obama. I, I didn't hear him defined right. as a, a perpetual loser. But No, he, no, no. I, but I'm but saying that was the second perpetual... term, right? I'm, I'm saying he's a perpetual loser because he hasn't won in almost 10 years, right? He hasn't won in 2016. He didn't win in 2016, right? So you're talking eight years. So you're, you're talking 20, uh, 2018, he, like his candidates lost. So there, what I'm saying is, is in, in the Republican primaries, you could have had a, a Chris Doty, right, or a Jeff Deal. And the Republicans in Massachusetts picked Jeff Deal because he was endorsed by Trump. That helped his prospects. Where I believe if we pick Chris Doty, we wouldn't have Healy because Chris Doty is more in line with Charlie Baker. And Charlie Baker was one of the most popular governors in the United States at the time. I don't know that either candidate was going to win. I mean, Maura Healy, uh, just the name brand, her success as an attorney general. If, if you're a Democrat, you really liked her. If you're Republican, you're in the minority anyway. I doubt any one of them was going to to beat her, but yeah, he was definitely more palatable. Jeff Deal doesn't know how to run an election. Right, right. I think that's the biggest problem with with Donald Trump being at the top. We're gonna we're gonna see uh, a Republican how uh, Republican White House with Donald Trump because I'm gonna I'll put my money on him. But I I want to say that you could actually see a Democratic House because it's so close right now anyway. Um, because he has a tendency to pick the most fringe, the most outspoken and outlandish yeah. individual. <laughs> and, 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 and that doesn't help his prospects with the independent, the, the average suburban mom and dad who really don't pay attention to politics except for on election day. And they just put, pick the guy or the woman who's kind of the, the most moderate. 
Yeah, you know, and, but I think and we've unfortunately, seen, I, think we've I don't seen, think we're going to see that. I think we've seen some improvement in the Trump-esque ability to fight the media um, and do it, do it in a more uh, cerebral way. I think um, DeSantis, Carrie Lake, people like that, I think they're more articulate, um, a little more careful with their words than Donald Trump. I think you're starting to see an evolution of the Trump-esque sort of approach to dealing with the, the hostile media, and hopefully that that progresses. But, um, you know, he's a New York builder. He talks like a New York builder. I'm from Brockton, Mass. I understand him. I had no intention to vote for him. Uh, as the debates went on in the Republican primary, he's saying the only he's the only guy up there saying what I want to see done. I reluctantly pulled the switch for him. And of course, I was going to pick him over Hillary. But um, like you're saying, it's not so much his policies. If we're all being honest, his policies weren't so bad for America. But um, it's the it's the tip of the spear. He's, he's you know, he's so abrasive. Thank you much for your call. I'm going to take one more. We've got a break. We have Chris Cotter, who's going to come up in just a minute. By the way, Ken, good morning. How are you? What are you doing awake? I don't know. <laughs> I had to bring my daughter to uh, her color guard practice. Oh. Big, big, uh, they have a big um, competition today at Dartmouth High. So at least they're home. They're not traveling off to Ohio or anything like that? Oh, they that. will be, but they were in Salem a couple of weeks ago. We went up there and watched that, and uh, it's pretty impressive. I remember when my uh, kids played on the football team, it was very imp- they, I don't know how to compare this band to the bands of of the early 2000s, but they all seem to be tremendous. You were talking about 200 kids out of the New Bedford schools? It, it, Two, eight, 298. That's 14,000 a student that is in the budget. So that's, that's, a, so two, that's about... 2.5%? That's, that's about $4 million, you know. Yeah. Well, I know. Wow. I know. Look, that's just the home school. We're not talking about the private schools. We're not talking uh, about the um, the virtual schools that folks that aren't going to those schools. 298. Okay. Well, let's say it's, let's say it's. Um, Round it off to 300. Uh, say it's 14,000 a student, which is yeah. probably low, mm-hmm. right? Um, 4.172 million. Yeah, little do re me. 508-996-0500. Hello. Hey, Brian and Ken, how you doing? Excellent, how are you? Not bad. Um, yeah, the last caller, um, several times he's called in and uh, over the weeks and said that down ballot is lost to Trump uh, and keeps using the, um, the midterms as an example. But the midterms are lost not by Trump, it was lost because of um, uh, the abortion issue. And the abortion issue was an issue with the Supreme Court, which had nothing to do with Trump you know, endorsing down ballot people it had to do with the fact that the abortion issue brought out the Democrats and they worked the ground game again like they are very good at doing. So, um, well, you know, I always, I, I always I, ask this I, question too, caller. Would Donald Trump have lost if there wasn't a COVID shutdown in, the, in this extraordinary period of time in America? Well, um, I, you know, who knows? I mean, I mean the China virus? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I think it's still. I think it would have been close, but I think that uh, it was the Democrats close. It was. Worked, worked, the Democrats worked the system and changed the the, the, the playing field and the, and how the rules are played. And the Republicans complain and point at it that they don't. They're not in front of the game. So that, that's that's really what's going on in politics. And you know, all of a sudden we have paper ballots. Everybody's got paper ballots. Uh, you know, my son's paper ballot showed up and. Uh, I could have easily voted for him. He wouldn't have known. You know, I don't even know if I voted for him with his paper ballot, if they would have been able to, because he lives in Cambridge, whether he went to the polling place, if they would have known that he checked it out, you know, he was he had already voted. Uh, so 
I think there's a lot of corruption in the system, and when you when you uh, get to, to Massachusetts and the issue you originally brought up, which had to do with uh, finances and the fact that we might be heading for bankruptcy, I mean, this is a 100% democratic state except for um, you know, Sean O'Connell and a handful of Republicans that got voted in. So um, they tend to, you know, spend the budget or blow through the budget. They're not physically responsible anymore. That used to be part of the job. And um, now they're going to, I'm sure they're going to look at other sources of income, like this new, new uh, allowing cities to, to create their own taxes. Uh, maybe they'll start to go after 401ks. Like, you're not allowed to retire in Massachusetts. We're going to tap into your 401ks. Um, I don't know. I mean, any place that there is wealth, they're going to attack the wealth. And this wealth has been built by individuals. So well, they're, for, uh, they're really forced to, though, because the policies that they've set for the state and for the state's future requires a lot of money. And I don't think they care how they get it. So, you know, they're, they're, they're going to cause an I, exodus. I, I don't. What do you mean? It's already happening. Yeah. It's already happening. Hey, happening within the schools, happening uh, uh, with people and businesses yeah. packing up their bags and getting out. Hey, so I, 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 just came back from, I just came back from South Carolina with my wife and we scored over 50 homes. So trust me, I'm on the way out. Ooh, okay. <laughs> Thanks for the call. All right, well, you have a good weekend. You too. 508-996-0500. Chris Cotter, when we come back. <laughs> I like that guy. 508-996-0500. We have been talking a lot the past couple of weeks about the idea of a school-based health center at New Bedford High School. Mayor Mitchell, uh, I don't know why he brought it up, but apparently a couple of years ago he did bring it up. Uh, in a in an article, and apparently, New Bedford High is going to have one. Exactly when, I don't know. Maybe Chris Cotter knows. Chris is joining us this morning. He is a member of the New Bedford School Committee. Has been for this was is his third time around now. Good morning, Chris Cotter. How are you? I'm good, Brian. How are you, sir? Winging and wanging, as I like to say. And uh, Ken Pittman's with us too. Morning, Chris. Morning, morning, Ken. How are you? I'm well, thanks. So let's let's start here. The, this whole idea about a school-based health center. You wrote to me that I'm going to put it in my own words, but I think you will agree that you have a few problems with this. That is correct. Yep. Why don't you um, enlighten us? Well, I mean, again, it was it it hasn't been a formal issue that. Um, We've discussed in great detail as a school committee. I know that it was brought up back probably over two years ago um, when it was first brought up. And I'm not really sure um, where we stand on it other than um, you mentioning the fact that it was brought up the other day in a conversation with the mayor and a media outlet that um, Diamond open theirs and well they're supposed to be opening it this month diamond right yeah yeah so i mean i don't really have um i mean i just have some issues with it but that's you know a discussion to be had and i'm not really sure where we stand if we stand other than i know that it was brought up two years ago so you but you have some issues are they monetary issues are they what's going to happen behind screened doors what what kind of issues do you have 
Yeah, I mean, my first issue is is what you said, the latter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm concerned because, again, um, I think we're, in my opinion, I think we're pushing parents out by allowing um, health access to underage children. Um, and I want definitive answers as far as, you know, what's the protocol on children going to the health center without parental notice? Um, are parents going to be notified? Um, if so, or if not, then that is something that I have some serious concerns with. Um, so my- I, I, I read uh, from Mary Ellen Siegler's article at Massachusetts Family Institute. You sign a parental consent notice whether or not you want your child to use that facility, but then uh, unless you've read the fine print... Uh, that that kid is subject to whatever else is, is on that piece of paper. I would want to know what's on that paper. It, it, and again, I'm not without going into you know a lot of details because again, I don't have them. Um, but I I do have some concerns for that specific reason. Um, and I do know that you know one specific comment that was made two years ago when I went back in my notes is that you know the mayor made a comment that. Um, you know, we would actually coordinate transportation to the facility for New Bedford students from schools. <laughs> That's right. It, that that is in the state law too. Doesn't yeah. it, doesn't a nurse have to get a parent's um, letter if if they want to give that student a Tylenol? Again, in my opinion, Ken, yes. Um, but that that those are some concerns that you know I. I brought up two years ago and I wasn't provided those answers um, because again, I think it was in the, in the beginning stages. Um, So those are concerns that I do have that I don't want kids being treated for anything um, or having discussions medically for anything without parental consent. I think that's blocking parents out. And that's a concern that I've had for quite a while now. Well, thank God you're bringing, bringing light to this. I mean, this is very concerning. Well, I would say this, according to what's gone on in other clinics, kids have been transported for gender, what do you call that? Gender... Reassignment? Well... Transitioning? The the, the knowledge part of it. Indoctrination? Well, learning more about it. <laughs> I, 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 don't, I don't know if it's... I didn't win a prize yet, I guess, three times. I'm out. <laughs> I don't know that it's definitely indoctrination, but parents aren't alerted that their child may have these tendencies, may, no, may want to switch. No, they're under the impression that their children are being trained to deal with the world as an adult through math and science and history and all these other things. Not in that health class. But anyway, I mean, those are definite concerns. Uh, let's go on to the homeschooling thing. Uh, actually, Ken was doing a little mathematics. 298 students last year decided that they wanted to be homeschooled in the city of New Bedford and New Bedford tops the state in homeschoolers. Any thoughts? Well, I, I did do some research, um, my own, um, and I did get some answers that were a little more palatable for, for me on a public school level is, Um, specifically is that the ironic part is the article that was written, um, although it doesn't 
specifically state New Bedford public schools. Um, it has, it does include, which I found kind of suspect in the article because it, of course it doesn't allude to that, but that's not just New Bedford public schools. Those are students that also leave um, charter schools that opt for homeschooling, for example, Alma or Global Charter. Uh-huh. So those numbers are also in that so it's, so it's 198 in entirety? Are you, sorry, are, you saying, are you saying the homeschooling and the charter school number in entirety is 198? No, it's 298. That's, 298, yeah. yeah. That's, that's, what I, that's what I'm being told. So the number is because I guess the DESI, the families have to go to the public school system to be counted under DESI. So Charter and Alma, although they don't have to report specifically that their kids are leaving their schools for homeschooling, those revert back to the resident city of those students. Chris, how much is the average student, not not special needs, not English immersion or people uh, that need to be taught English, how much is the the average student, um, what is the cost Cost per 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 student to the city? Uh, honestly, off the top of my head. I'm, okay, I I'm sorry it. about that. Yeah, I, I didn't want to put you on the spot. I don't know if you know it off the top of your head. No, that I don't. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, so but again, I mean... If, if, the, if you the, use a, a figure of 14,000, what kind of... What did you come up with, Ken? That's about uh, 4.1 million. And um, it means that... So what we get an average of, let's say, 25 kids in a class, right? So, yeah, so I would say that. So the class costs... That one class costs the taxpayers $350,000 a year, about $1,944 a day, right? You lo- if you lose, you know, one or two of, the, of that 25, that's a significant uh, reduction in costs, I would think. Oh, as far as funding, absolutely. Well, um, so if, if, I guess we have to look at it from the standpoint that at best, the number will stay the same. If, if you're talking about losing four four million a year, correct? Yeah. Well, where where do you start thinking about some some trimming? You know, as, as I mentioned the other day, Brian, I I don't want to, you know, throw into a conversation a trimming issue until I'm faced with having to be there, um, because again. There are many different issues, many different areas that I would have to see as far as where we're going to be having to cut numbers. And again, that's just not, I, I need to see from the district where the numbers are coming from. I mean, so, it, it's a sort of unfair to, if you're, if you're planning as a, as a school committee member or, you know, planning the school budget, it's a little difficult when you think parents can take their kids out at any point. And people can come into the city at any point and just put their kids in the school system. There's no way of planning for that budget-wise. Especially here in New Bedford. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I, again, not that I'm, you know, trying to dissuade the conversation from the New Bedford Public Schools, but in all fairness, Dart, I found it interesting that Dartmouth jumped from roughly 40 kids homeschooling to now 80. So, I mean... You're talking a smaller district, and that's a 50% jump in itself. And that's a, you know, it's a smaller district 
in a suburban area. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the homeschool issue was just not a New Bedford public school issue, which is where, you know, I felt the article was a little, a little one-sided, you know, throwing the dig towards New Bedford public schools. Um, when in reality, the article itself didn't really mention much about New Bedford it's in, its, in and of itself. Other than I think it was mostly a homeschooling article, but but the the fact is, New Bedford still has the most students that are that are homeschooled out of out of any other city or town. Uh, when you look at big city Boston, big city Worcester, Springfield, not necessarily big city Fall River, but you know a, a city to compare it to down here. I would agree with you that the figure. Doubled for for Dartmouth, but you know when you're number one on the list, you're you're number one on the list. So let me ask you this: Is it possible that, and when I say radical, I just mean radical compared to the traditional teaching platform of science, history, math, right? So parents looking at a more radical um, agenda for the kids to deal with uh, social changes, all the stuff that we're dealing with, and the fact that we just came out of the COVID. Um, shut down where people have transitioned themselves to work from the home in a much bigger, uh, you know, much larger percentage of the of the workforce is still working from home. Is that influencing the homeschooling? In my opinion, yeah, I, I do. I think, you know, a lot of that does have a lot to do with it. Um, you know, I, I do believe that, you know, as it was stated, the health concerns, you know, people are still concerned with, with COVID. Um, in my opinion, it's really not something that we really should be documenting or, you know, watching for and recording as, as we were back in a couple of years ago. But I think in, in some families' minds, that's one of the concerns. But the, um, but the employers are comfortable in, in many cases now with letting people work from their homes. They are. And unfortunately, there are some employers that are now going back to getting their employees into the workplace instead of working at home. So it, you, you kind of have, you know, six of one, half dozen of another, where some are okay with having people work from home, but then you have other corporations that are saying, you know what, we need to utilize and see our workforce in the buildings and you know, I know that for a fact where, you know, some, some companies have had their employees not working in the buildings for 15 years. And now all of a sudden they're being required to go back into the workplace. Well, you know, I, I think that's happening all over. But the schools are a different thing because you guys get paid to have the butts in the seats. Mm-hmm. And um, as we see, and I think. You're going to see higher numbers leaving the schools for various reasons. Ken has brought up a couple, but, you know, you've got bullying that is still going on. You have fights every once in a while. You have the academic agenda, uh, this whole thing that we were just talking about before with the school-based health center. You, It doesn't have to be one thing, but in total, when you start adding it up, all of a sudden you, you go from... 125 to 235 to 298 all the way up to 400. I I don't know that that it's going to stop anytime soon. In fact, I'm not expecting it to. 
Yeah, no, and, and again, the, the ironic part, and, and again, the article certainly doesn't pull that up either, but, you know, many cities and towns in, in mass are losing enrollment. But if you look at New Bedford Public Schools enrollment, we're actually increasing, and, you know, and I'll use the New Bedford High School numbers as an example, um, where our enrollment is, is increasing. So is that the influx of people coming into the city, sure. moving into the city? What What's the reasoning behind that instead of... Well, what's the, the what's the percentage of um, new students um, that, that require English immersion? Again, that I don't have off the top of my head. It's but, probably a factor. You know, I'm sure that... that that is probably higher than most districts, absolutely. Yeah, probably not too many people moving down from Newton. Chris Carter, <laughs> I want to thank you so much uh, for coming on to the program today. Anytime, Brian. <laughs> Have a great one. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. <laughs> no problem. 508-996-0500. Got to take a break. I see you there on the phone. I'm going to get... Caller, I've got a minute for you. Go ahead. All right, all right, Brian, I'll make it very quick. And Ken, uh, Chris Carter should have the numbers right at his fingertips. He should know how much it costs. I heard from a radio station on Cape Cod. Tim Dunn was doing the news there, uh, costing uh, $22,000 per student. Uh, last week, uh, covering for you, Ken, was Paul Santos. He had his guest, Miss um, Murphy, special ed teacher at New Bedford High School. And uh, when I asked her how many children there don't know how to speak English. She said it was 40% of the students there. Could, they had a foreign language as their first and English as a secondary. I saw that so in writing, get, yeah. Wow. Yeah, so we're getting all this, and Chris Carter doesn't know. Well, he better get to do his homework, because when we ask him about figures and numbers, well, I bet he we need to know close. this. I think he wanted to get it right. I'm sure he knows basically what it costs, but he didn't offer a figure, but that wouldn't hold yeah, that against that's, him. Yeah, that's what it is. A lot of illegal aliens coming here. I call them foreign nationals, and uh, nobody well, You don't like Biden's know, but, term? Biden calls them newcomers. Yeah, he calls him newcomers. Yeah, well, I want him. You should be at one of his uh, palatial palaces, you know, being flown around by helicopters. There you go. Hey, thanks for the call. All right, I really guys. appreciate Take it. Now. Last one here. Hello. 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 I, I just what I was in the car driving, so I couldn't comment on that previous previous caller about um, someone with Trump's thoughts who else to vote for. And I just want to say, Robert Kennedy Jr. wants to close the border. Doesn't want digital currency. I want the same thing. So just in case they torture Trump more than they are now, you always have him as an independent. Okay. True. True. I mean, still not my cup of tea, but I hear what you're saying. I still think he, there's a lot of Democrat in him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, runs in the family. Well, yeah, but um, he does have his own ideas, too. Yeah, that's true. And uh, I've been reading a lot about him and things like that. Yeah, he's, he's got an eclectic platform. I mean, he's, you know, he's an anti-vax guy, which the Democrats don't like. Oh, but no, no, he's anti-mandate. He only wants to make vaccines safe for children. That is more accurate. You're right. So, but everybody I talked to, I said, oh, what about Kenny Jr.? Oh, he's a nut. He's anti-vax. And I said, no, 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 he's not. That's what people say when they don't know. I know, yeah. Okay, good, good that's point. all I wanted to throw in it. So that other fellow that called earlier... Well, okay. I appreciate you throwing you that in. Try to look him up. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Mr. Pittman. Hey. Who do you think you are, Mr. Pittman? Never mind. So what's coming up on the show today? Uh, well, we're going to talk more about... No, you're not going to do that. Mara Healy. Um, what's wrong with her? She's 
got no plan. Yes, well, she does. Well, <laughs> she has a plan. She has policies that she puts in place and then wonders how she's going to pay for them. That's a plan. Yeah, it is. It, technically. <laughs> That's crazy. Um, and then we'll talk about uh, Joe Biden's brother under oath admitting that Joe Biden did accept $40,000 from China. Yeah, while he was you in can't office. believe that guy. <laughs> All right. Kim Pittman coming up after ABC News at the top of the hour. I will be back again next Saturday. Ken, have a great show. No Thank good you, football stuff to talk about. Darn. I'm a draft. I, I'm a draft. I'm a draft nerd. <laughs>